What more can one say? This is game seven. Hello everyone and welcome back once again to the Little Hockey Podcast. As always, my name is Keegan. I'm here with my brother Jordan. Say hi, Jordan. Hey, friends. Uh, and we are here talking about the Sens and Leafs. But first, be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Little Hockey Pod. Uh, give us a follow uh, at anywhere you find podcasts, wherever you listen to us now. Most notably, we are also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Feel free to leave us a review. That would be splendid. And as always, before we get into any of the Sens and Leafs talk, Jordan will give us one more of his lovely betting updates. And Jordan, is this going to be a happy one, a sad one, or just kind of a, eh, it's just kind of an update? Uh, it's kind of just a little bit of an update. <laughs> like my, my wins over the, like since we last recorded last week um, have been pretty minimal. Um but that being said, uh, they have been wins, so that's been nice. I've been winning more than I've been losing. Tonight is going to be a big night. Um, I'm a big-time Minnesota Wild fan for this game against the Vegas Golden Knights tonight. Um, Alex Petrangelo is already confirmed out. Mark Stone is a game-time decision, so I've got a good chunk of change down on, uh, on our good boys, the Minnesota Wild, to win this game. So if, uh, if that goes the wrong way for me, then... Not only have I erased all of my gains this month, I have set myself back a good amount too. So uh, everybody, please, I guess you're, you're, you're going to be listening to this when you already know the outcome of the game. So uh, please be kind to me if I lose, because just know that uh, my wallet's already hurting enough as it is. I don't need you hurting my, uh, my, my feelings any more than they will be. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but if oh, yeah. uh, if this if this goes the right way for me tonight, I'm going to be pretty excited. It's it's going to be going to be a good time. Yeah, the Minnesota Wild. Um, last week when we were talking about them, they were on a bit of a hot streak. I've haven't heard much from them since, so I, I'm a kind of assuming they've kind of come back down from earth. But uh, well, yeah, they they beat Vegas the other night, um, and I think that they have they've overtaken. Uh, Colorado in their um, in the standings um, but that being said like nobody's played the same amount of games and it's it's pretty difficult to, to judge anything that way but uh, yes Minnesota has passed Colorado in the same number of games uh, so that's pretty good Colorado's had a hit of a bit of a rough patch lately but um, yeah with another win tonight the, the wild will be two points back on uh, vegas for top spot in that uh, west division that's absolutely nuts i've also never heard of their starting goalie uh Kapo Kapo. yeah yeah he's been playing pretty well this year he's a rookie along with uh, kirill kaprizov so uh, they're uh, they're riding the young guns just like the Sens, but they're having a lot more success doing it that's fair man and, it's, uh, so it's funny because they've only got the two young guns 
it's so disappointing to think that Marco Rossi isn't able to play with the Wild this year. Imagine yeah. if he was able to come on, and I don't think he'd have the same impact as a Kaprasov or put in auto perspective as a Stutzel, but man, it would have been really nice to see him get in there. It would be, yes, absolutely. Also, um, uh, quick story, quick another side note. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, current Vesna winner, just saying that. Yeah, he, he, he's doing pretty well. Um, Four I, shutouts, I I, 1.57 goals against average, 943 save percentage in 16 games. Yeah, but he's going to lose two straight to the Minnesota Wild, so we can't... Uh, you know what, should, when you're right, you're right. engrave his name on the trophy quite yet there. <laughs> Um, but yeah, apart from tonight's game, like lately, I, I am definitely hating the, uh, the blues and the stars plus the uh, Montreal Canadians. The, the Canadians just seem to hate me because they lose games when I bet on them and then they win games when I bet against them. So it's, it's just stupid. They're just losing me money left, right and center. Oh, wow. Uh, the Montreal Canadians making life miserable for a Leafs fan. Who would have thought? Yeah. Who would have thought that? Um, oh my God. Last night, last, was it last night? I'm trying to. I've got to pull up my spreadsheet here. Um, yes, last night was fucking brutal. I had three of my games go into overtime last night. Um, Buffalo had a 3-1 lead after the first period and blew it and then lost in a shootout. Uh, New Jersey came back against Washington only to lose in overtime. And then Carolina, I guess they had an off night because uh, they, they got taken to overtime by Nashville and then they managed to win that one, uh, which is good because that limited my losses. If Carolina won or if, uh, if Nashville had won last night, Oh my God, I, I would have been uh, down quite a bit. Um, Cause uh, I'll be honest here. I accidentally bet on them twice. Um, <laughs> oh God. Why? Yeah. <laughs> because uh, I was saying to you before the podcast started, I, uh, I, I had some, uh, some medicine yesterday that uh, made me a little bit woozy. So I made one of my bets while I was at an appointment and right. I made another one of my bets later in the afternoon, and I'd forgotten about the first one. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I accidentally doubled down on Carolina, and then they ended up going to overtime against the garbage Predators. Um, <laughs> luckily, Dallas crushed the Blackhawks, and that one never really looked in doubt. It was like 4-1 after the first or something. Uh, so I only lost 34 cents last night. If uh, Carolina had lost, it would have been like 7 bucks. I would have flushed down the toilet. Which you know, is Jordan, you... still less than uh, if Minnesota loses tonight. And I will say this is arguably like pocket change to most betters, but uh, it's pretty significant for me seeing I'm, as I'm just starting out here. I was going to say, you need to up your bets by about a, a tenfold. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I need to move that decimal over a, another uh, spot or two in order to actually get stressed out about anything. But uh, I, I think I've got a pretty good strategy going here for a first-time better. I'll just kind of outline it a little bit. Like I'm what I did last month was uh, the, uh, I won like 50 bucks over the month and I decided that I would contribute an extra $50 to my bankroll. So now I'm just going to do that each month. Anytime I I win money, um, I'm going to put like at least 25 bucks in or something. And then that's just going to help me grow my bankroll slowly and organically. And then that way it's, I'm never just like dropping a thousand dollars in there and saying like, all right, if I lose all this, then there goes a thousand dollars. But it's, it's a bit more conservative and it's a, it, but um, I, I think in the long run, it'll, it'll help me be more successful in my betting. So if there's anybody out there that's kind of worried about getting into it, 
um, I'd say start off small, just like put in 50 bucks and then chip away at that with like $1.50 and $2 bets. And then slowly build your bankroll up as you go, instead of just pushing all your savings in, in into your account and saying like, all right, if, if this goes bad, then uh, we're homeless. <laughs> <laughs> I So not this last stretch of sense games, but the one before. One of those games made me the closest I've ever gotten to impulse betting on a game. And I'm really glad I didn't because it was the Ottawa-Calgary game where Calgary was like falling over each other in the warm-up. Oh like yeah. And then everybody on Twitter and stuff was like, okay, you, you better put your money on Ottawa here. Cause Calgary looks like they're, they don't even know what sport they're playing. Yeah. So I, I Im- impulsively in my brain was like, make an account and put $200 on this game. Ottawa is going <laughs> to win. And you know what? It would have been a real nice payday. But looking back on it, it's like, you know what? Probably a good thing I didn't do that because if I had a huge win right away, I'd probably just waste all my money trying to replicate that feeling. Yes, exactly. And that's what I did like the second week in February after I won like 13 straight bets in a row was I was I was overconfident and then I lost a couple like big ones and I'm like, okay, I, I almost wiped out everything that I just gained. So I need to... Uh, Calm I need down. to pull the reins here, pump the brakes, whatever you want to say. Um, uh, yeah. But to take your strategy, that's basically what I tried to do with, uh, and a lot of people tried to do with the stock market last month too, right? <laughs> and I, I'm still checking on my stocks every day and I'm like, oh man, that stuff that I got that people recommended as a long-term buy, that's down like 65% right now. Wicked. <laughs> I'm I'm real good at this stock. Yeah, I'm thing. so glad I put a hundred dollars into that. Stupid. But yeah. So a lesson for everybody: betting on hockey, good smart investment. Um, stock market, bad dumb investment. There we go. Jordan's uh, betting update also counts with Jordan's wisdom for today. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of your wisdom, lay us lay lay onto us your wisdom and your thoughts of this past week of Leafs um I want to say turmoil but it didn't really start out as turmoil did it uh well the two the two losses to the Canucks were like not great the first one was on the second night of a back-to-back when the Canucks had rest the day before so that that was basically a lost game before it started right like most teams in the NHL you can pretty reasonably uh bet or guess or assume that in that circumstance they're probably not going to be they're they're probably not going to get a win on the second night of a back-to-back against an opponent that has rest um the second game that the Leafs lost to uh, Vancouver it's it's tough because the like Thatcher Demko really did a lot more to win that game for the Canucks than the rest of their team did I don't think he stole it for them but I think it's it was just one of those things where like the Leafs were controlling a lot of the play, getting most of the chances, and then uh, the other team's goalie was just playing really well, and they they couldn't get anything past him. And you know what? That happens to every team. That happens to everybody. I a lot of people are taking this uh, this slide from the Leafs as uh, an opportunity to like dunk on them and be like, ah, look, see, they're they're overrated. All that hype from shutting down the Oilers that was all like smoke up their ass type thing 
Um, but you know what? Uh, I like I I was looking at some of the other teams in the league, and uh, let's just uh, take for instance that the Boston Bruins are four, five, and one in their last ten games. They got shut out by the Devils the other night. Um, they have back to back. Uh, 7-2 and 6-2 losses to the Islanders and Rangers in their last 10 games. But where are the calls saying that the uh, the Bruins are toast? I know that they've had more success in the playoffs recently, but the, uh, the idea is still the same, right? That's still a team that was um, expected to be one of the best teams in their division, and they're having a rough 10 games, not three games. So, uh, you know, you, people just need to take their... Um, I was going to say blue co- like Maple Leafs blue colored glasses off, but they're whatever the exact opposite of that is for everybody. They, they need to tone down the, the hate dial on the Leafs because every team goes through things like stretches in a season where they don't play well, or they do play well, but get stymied by a hot goalie. Um, and then the, the other thing too is the Vancouver team that the Leafs played against over the last week isn't the same one that started off the season in the dumpster. The Canucks have improved their play quite a bit. They beat Montreal the other night. Um, They're finally getting saves, which is a big thing that they didn't get at the start of the season. Uh, And they're also, over Vancouver's last 10 games, they're a top four team in the North Division. One thing I would like to just quickly chime in for uh, the Vancouver Canucks um Quinn Hughes looking a bit better he's sitting at 23 points in 29 games pretty solid for a sophomore defenseman uh and I believe their leading point getter is one of Brock Besser or JT Miller both of which I think are in the top 10 of NHL scoring yeah I'm not 100% sure about where those guys sit in their uh I'm double checking I am fact checking myself as we speak um but you are absolutely correct when you say that this is not the Vancouver Canucks that started this um, this season. Like they're starting to pick things up. Um, I think they may have fallen into a similar thing that Ottawa did, where not having exhibition games and just kind of seeing where their guys are at really, really hurt them. And because they were playing in such a bad way in games that mattered right at the beginning, it probably hurt their confidence a little bit and hurt their egos. So, um, you know, the mental aspect of the, of their game was lacking. And when the mental aspect lacks you, so does the on ice product, right? Uh, it seems like they're starting to get into their groove. Demko is um, following in a pattern that has actually followed him throughout his entire career where his first year in a new league, he'll be below average. His second year, he'll be a bit better, which is kind of where he's trending right now. And then his third full year is usually when he becomes an above-average goalie in that league. So Demko is starting to show the flares of uh, his progression and um, maybe having Holpe there more so helping him with the technical side and some other things rather than uh, showing him a few moves is probably helping uh, Demko find his game and, like you said, finally get Canucks the saves that they've been so lacking in this early part of the season or in the earlier part of the season. We're at the halfway point now. And yeah. um, Brock Besser tied for 10th in league scoring 28 points in 29 games. 
Yeah, there we go. So it, it seems like their new acquisitions from the off season are finally starting to click and their goalies are finally figuring out where the puck is on the ice and making saves like that. That's basically what they needed in order to pick up the, their play from the start of the year. And it's happened. It's just, it's too late because Vancouver's season is half done now. Um, but also to, uh, to change something to what I said, I was just looking at the standings and the Bruins are actually worse in their top in their last 10 games. Uh, since I wrote that, uh, the stuff in our episode notes, uh, they're now three, five, and two in their last 10 games, and they're on a two-game losing streak. Uh, the Bruins in their last 10 games are the third worst team in their division, uh, ahead of only the Devils, who, like I said, shut them out the other night, and the Sabres, who have lost eight in a row. Uh, and so, our hot take here, a garbage fire. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so like the, that's the team that the Leafs constantly get compared to is, is the Bruins, which is fair because the Leafs can't get past them in the playoffs. But uh, you know what? If the Bruins keep going this way, no one's going to have to worry about them in the playoffs because uh, they're a Flyers victory away from uh, being knocked out of the, the playoff picture entirely. Um, so, yeah, so it's it's just kind of the, the Leafs are still for real is basically what I'm saying. Uh, every team goes through a three-game losing streak in a, in a regular season. Uh, and you know what? I'd rather have the Leafs go through a uh, stretch of three bad games now than uh, in the first round of the playoffs or later on in the playoffs. And if I'm not mistaken, um, your next two games are both against Winnipeg, right? Yes, and these are going to be big games. The Leafs do need to get these four points. Um, cause if they don't, then Winnipeg just closed the gap down to one point for a top spot in the division. Now you said that every team goes, has a three point or a three game losing streak. What is the number that that losing streak has to get to that you start getting concerned? I'd say five. I'd, I'd say five is when it starts to get to be a real significant issue. Um, mostly because these next two games are against the same team and that team happens to be in second place. Um, now I also think that that five, like if we get to five games as a losing streak, um, it will also depend on how the Leafs are losing these games. Cause uh, the, the second game against Vancouver on Saturday and uh, the game, I guess it was, it was Tuesday night against Winnipeg. Both of those, the Leafs were, were leading in and then allowed a couple quick goals to lose the momentum and the game. Um, and that is shades of Leafs from past years too. So it, it's kind of, if, if that continues to be the trend where the Leafs have a lead and they lose it, that's going to be concerning. Um because that kind of says that other teams are picking up on whatever the Leafs changed defensively for the, the first half of the season here. And um, they need to find something else in order to uh, keep, or in order to return to the uh, level of performance that they were at for the first, uh, you know, 24 games this season. Yeah. I, um, I, I agree with the sentiment that Winnipeg being in second place really amplifies the issue of going on any longer of a losing streak would be for the Leafs. 
if you lose these next two games in shootout or overtime, do you feel better or worse? Or is it just kind of, it is what it is, take the points? Because um, those will be, you would think, close games. Like, I'm not talking about some game where Toronto's up like 4-1 or something and then Winnipeg comes back and wins. I'm not talking about – or like what happened earlier against Ottawa. I'm not talking yeah, about – Yeah, you're, you're talking about like a, a game where it's like it's just close the whole time and then it goes to, to overtime or a shootout or something. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, it's tough, right? Because you, you, you always prefer a win, right? But at, at least that way you're still getting points. It's it's hard. It's um, it's the the classic thing that the NHL loves about its point system, right? Of it it looks like a team is gaining ground, but they're not. Sure. They're not. They're not really. And that would be the same thing, right? If Winnipeg gets two points um, tomorrow night, they'd be up to thirty five. And if Toronto gets a loser point, they're up to thirty nine. So then Winnipeg is still two and a half wins away from overtaking the Leafs, rather than just a straight two. Yeah. That is, that's kind of what I figured you would say, but I know some people get really upset about the pity points and like, oh no, I'd rather have no points. But I feel like those, those, those people are either liars or idiots. Or both. <laughs> yeah, or both. <laughs> now, what if you win the next two games against Winnipeg and then lose to Ottawa? Because, you know, that's just... Cause the, no, if we lose, if we win the next two games against Winnipeg and then lose against Ottawa that is probably the most predictable outcome for the next three games here that would be a very leaf it would be an absolutely a Leafs thing to do and that's it is almost assured to happen if the Leafs win these next two games against Winnipeg then you have my permission to uh, put $200 on the Senators in their game this weekend (laughs) good to know um one more thing uh just to get a bit of a talking point here does Frederick Anderson need to out-goalie Connor Hellebuck to beat the Jets? Or is this more of a team thing where the Toronto first team? Because Connor Hellebuck, it seems kind of just goalie. Well, here, Keegs, I'll stop you there. You got a little robot voice there. So uh, could you just repeat what you said? Okay. Am I all good now? Yeah, you're all good now. Okay. So what I the question I was asking... Uh, about this upcoming next two games between the Leafs and the Jets is, is this a matter of the Leafs overcoming the Jets or is it more of a matter of you need Frederick Anderson to play better than Connor Hellebuck? Uh, The Leafs need Frederick Anderson to at least play about as good as Connor Hellebuck. Not because I think that Winnipeg is going to be dominating the, the play and uh, having like grade A scoring chances all over the place. Um, it's just because Freddie has that tendency, like we've talked about before, of giving up a weak goal every so often, or not even like the last few games, I don't think he's given up a weak goal, but there have been times where it's just like, come on, man, like stop the puck, stop it. Um, and it's not necessarily fair to compare him to uh, like Jack Campbell or even Michael Hutchinson, because those guys haven't played as many games as him this season. So they haven't had the same number of opportunities to disappoint us as Freddie has, but uh, it's just kind of getting to the point 
with uh, with Anderson and Leafs fans in general, I think, of he's really got to prove it to us that he can be that goalie in uh, in crunch time and be better than the other goalie. Like there haven't been that many times where, where um, as Leafs fans, we can come out of a game and say, say that Frederick Anderson outplayed the other team's goalie, especially if that goalie is like better than decent on reputation. Right. Um, Freddie Anderson's probably an average starting goalie. And sometimes we just need him to be like above average to excellent. Um, and it, it just sucks because he can go through stretches of a game where he looks like that. And then he'll let in a, a goal from the corner that goes in off of his own skate or something, or just beats him. Um, but I, I think that is it. Um, Freddie has to at least play around as good as Hellebuck does in order for the Leafs to win. Because you can see it from the Leafs too, where they, and I think that's kind of what happened the other night on Tuesday against uh, the Jets. It was like the Leafs were controlling a lot of the play and getting a lot of really good chances. And then a puck would go in and it wasn't even Freddie's fault, right? Uh, there, there was one goal that uh, Austin Matthews sticks his foot out into yeah. the shot to try to block it. And it's like, man, that's a, that was a wrist shot from the blue line with no screen. Why? Why would you even, why would you bother? Just let your, let goal your goalie. Yeah, he's, he's going to save that. And then you, you try to block a harmless shot and you end up deflecting it into your own net. Like that one's not on Freddie, that's on Matthews. But still it's like, oh shit, guys. Like, yeah, so it's it's definitely one of those things where Freddie's got to play at least around or close to as good as Hellebuck in order for the Leafs to win because the the Jets do have some offensive talent that is good enough to you know if they've got a clean if they have a clean shot they can they can beat Anderson plus i would say the Jets forwards could go one for one with the Leafs i do not agree with that um no no the, the Jets' top six is very good. It's probably the second-best top six in the North Division, but the Leafs are still better than the Jets. Um, I, the I, Leafs' forwards are better than the Jets. The Leafs' defense are better than the Jets. The Jets' goalie is much better than the Leafs' goalie. I don't know. I, I think that the Jets' top six matches the Leafs' top six pretty freaking good. Sure, pretty good probably the best out of any of the teams in the division. The Leafs are still better. <laughs> the Leafs the Leafs forward unit is better than the Jets forward unit. Um, yes, I, I will say that you are better, but I, you are not leagues better that I think it's going to... Like, I genuinely don't think you can, like, just outscore the Winnipeg Jets. No. No, like, I think I think the Winnipeg Jets like, are, are, are a better team than the goalies. I think that's a mix of Kyle Connor, Pierre Luc Dubois, Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler, and Nikolai Ehlers go toe to toe with Tavares, Nylander, Matthews, and Marner every day. It, it's it's not a smart decision to try to get into a shootout like a, a shooting match with any NHL team. Sure. Um, so I'll, I'll give you that in that sense that you're right. 
Um, the Leafs shouldn't try to just go all offense, but they're also not trying to do that. Not the anymore. Leafs, no, not anymore. The Leafs are definitely doing a better job of uh, being more defensively responsible. Um, to the tune of they have the fewest goals allowed in the North Division. Because the puck's never in their end. And they have the most goals for in the North Division. They so, are the best team. Yeah. As of right now, the Toronto Maple Leafs are the best team. As Chris Johnson would say, they are a juggernaut. Um, like uh, I, I'm looking at the other teams that have uh, fewer goals allowed than the Leafs and the, like the Leafs, uh, the lightning have fewer, but they've played three fewer games. Um, the hurricanes have about the same in two fewer games. The stars have a lot fewer, but they've played six fewer games. Um, the Islanders. Okay. The Islanders are, are, doing pretty well the Bruins in four fewer games have 11 fewer goals allowed the Rangers are the same as the Leafs in three fewer games um holy shit the Golden Knights have the fewest goals allowed in the league but they've also played five fewer games than the Leafs yeah. than the wild four fewer so like I I'm sure in terms of goals against per game the Leafs are probably Top five, minimum. Yeah, oh, absolutely top five. It's probably them and the Lightning. Yeah. Um, just to quickly harp back on the goalie conversation, in eight games, the tandem of Hutchinson and Campbell have a save percentage of 943 and a goals against average of 1.68 between yeah. the two goalies between eight games. And, Freddie, and that absolutely will not, not last. Right? For sure. They're, they're going to start allowing more goals. Um, and it, it's, it's not fair to ask Freddie Anderson to be a 940 <laughs> goalie oh, absolutely. Uh, because uh, yeah, that's unrealistic for anybody, but, uh, it would also be nice for him to not be like an 899 goalie or a 901. Well, that's what I was going to say in 19 starts, Freddie has a goals against average of 2.76, not yeah. great. And a save percentage of 903. Yeah, which is around league average this season. I think league average is like 905 or something. I thought it was 909. Oh, if it is, then it, yeah. Um, I, I could be wrong. 909 might be the last year's average. I just remember hearing that somewhere. I couldn't remember where, though. Like, he's had stretches this season where he's been absolutely outstanding. Like, he had a four-game stretch. Uh, three against Vancouver and one against Montreal or two against Montreal, sorry, where he was uh, 964, 969, nice, 943 and 920, four straight games, Frederick Anderson. So, so yeah, the uh, league average save percentage this season is 907. 907. So he's, he's below average and goals against average is uh, spot on league average 277. Oh, okay. All right. So you just so it, need it would, Freddie it would, Anderson to play to the level of a Vesna goalie, and then you might beat the Jets. Oh, if he can just be an average goalie. If he can be a 907 instead of a 903, right? Mm -hmm. Then the Leafs are in a significantly better spot for the season. Um, 
Like the, the if there's one thing that I'm totally sure of happening this offseason, it's that Frederick Anderson is no longer a Toronto Maple Leaf. Are you surprised by that? If you had told me two years ago that 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 Anderson would not be re-signed by the Leafs, I, I would have been a little bit surprised because I thought that he was really good. I really liked him up until the bubble. That's when I was like, all right, this guy, he he just can't get it done. Um, that being said, I don't think that we should rely on Jack Campbell as our starter uh, because we've seen this season like he's – he might be a little bit injury prone or it, it's just like you, you don't want to hand the reins directly to a guy that's never played a full season in the league. No. And that's what I wanted Ottawa to do this year. And as I stated either last episode or the one before, I'm glad they didn't shows why <laughs> they, they are hockey executives in the NHL. And I just do a podcast in my basement. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let, let's move along here because we got a lot of stuff that we want to talk about. And I'm sure the uh, the future of the Leafs' performance might uh, crop up again later on. So uh, how about uh, the last the last uh, week for the Sen Sickos? How are things going for you, freaks? Well, you know what? Um, as people who are uh, pay attention to our Twitter may have noticed, um, during Western games, um, I am not very active. And that's because I'm in bed. Like I, I, uh, I have not watched any of the last three cents games. Um, oh, yeah. oh, um, nope, actually, no, I have not. I watched the uh, first period of our four, three shootout win over Calgary, uh, right before going to bed. And I watched it while I was lying in bed. Um, so I've just kind of been going through the highlights and uh, reading articles. Ian Mendez on The Athletic putting out almost an article a day has been very helpful. Um, but I haven't been able to get the full story of um, the last week of Sens games. Uh, but I'm going to do my best to try and cover what I've been hearing. Um, the big one being uh, Murray's still very inconsistent. Uh, I was, he's still doing his really good one game, really bad the next. There's never any middle ground with him as every and any sense fan or media uh, personnel has indicated. He has no middle ground. He has no chill. He is either incredibly hot or incredibly bad. And it's very frustrating. And it'd be really nice to see him kind of get some consistency going um, I'm not expecting him to be a consistent 964 like he is in his good games. Just like you were saying with the with the Leafs and Freddie, just be a league average goalie. That's all I want. And that's all we brought him in here to be. I mean, actually, I guess I shouldn't say that. We're paying him six and a quarter million dollars a year for the next three years after this one. So I guess we are expecting a bit more. But I just, for now... I want to see him get his game under control and I want to see the same Murray night in night out, not uh, a Jekyll and high situation that we've been having. Um, as I mentioned, I saw the first period of the shootout win against Calgary on Sunday. Um, I don't really remember. Let me just quickly check the notes for that game because I'm not quite sure. Oh yes. That was um, Ryan Dezingle. Uh, he got the second Senator goal off of a good rush with Tierney after a 
beautiful outlet pass from Mike Riley. Absolutely just phenomenal. Riley, I harped on at the beginning of the year, as everyone did, because he had a really bad start to the year. But he's been playing pretty solid paired with Artem Zub. Uh, he still doesn't have a goal yet this year, but he's got nine assists, which is pretty good. Um, he kind of took over Willannon's spot, which is concerning for me because I was really hoping to see Willannon a lot this year. And DJ Smith about a month ago even said, well, Landon's a full-time NHLer and has since healthy scratched him for, I think it's either eight or nine straight games now. Like for a 24, 25-year-old that Will Landon is trying to bust into the league, he just doesn't have DJ's confidence. And I think that may result in him maybe getting traded. I've seen a lot of people saying that him and Logan Brown could be on the way out which could be kind of interesting because those are mm, degrading assets. Every, like every time Willannon sits and every bad AHL game Logan Brown has, their value goes down. So you're just kind of sitting there letting them rot, and I'm kind of starting to get worried that we may lose him for nothing. But on the plus side, the two defensemen that have been doing well is Branstrom. He's been playing fairly well uh he's been in the lineup consistently i don't really like him with good branson because that means good branson's still on my hockey team and i don't want that um i would be interested to see branstrom with zub i know there's a lot of talk of throwing zub up with shabbat but i think the shabbat zaitsev pairing although not as good as they were at the beginning of the year are still kind of good enough that you can leave him be um and I'd like to see Brandstrom given the green light to just do Brandstrom things, which is carry the puck up, be a very dynamic breakout defenseman. Because a lot of his highlights in Belleville from last year, if you watch them, a lot of the times he's not um, just sending an outlet pass and then kind of uh, gliding up the ice. He'll throw in uh, a breakout pass from uh, either his hash marks or his blue line to the forwards. And then he's full tilt skating up to be a fourth attacker. And I'd like to see him get the green light to do that a bit more, especially if he's paired with Zub, knowing that he has a competent defense partner back there rather than good Branson, who's just a defense partner back there. Um, I don't want good Branson on my hockey team anymore. And so I'm going to do my obligatory once every episode, uh, get good Branson the fuck off my hockey team. Thank you very much. And I'd cut, I want to see Brandstrom on PP1 as well. That's Shabbat spot. Shabbat has not done anything to warrant him being taken off it. He's actually done very well. Shabbat uh, has really found his offensive gain and has uh, 12 assists in his last 10 games, which is good for any player, let alone a defenseman. So that has been a great, great um, stretch for him. But I just think if you have Branstrom as this uh, offensive dynamo that he's supposed to be, throw him on PP1, see if that kind of shakes things up a bit because our power play is 27th in the league anyway. So maybe changing things up in that regard might might be enough to get that going a little bit. Plus, seeing Branstrom and Stutzel on the same power play I think would be very, very fun to see. Those are two high-skilled and... Um, very, very 
I, I feel like I'm overusing this word, but it's a very accurate word. They're very dynamic, the both of them. They have very noticeable skill. Um, and Stutzel uh, being paired with another little guy like Branch or Bath. Oh, God. Brandstrom would be really nice to see. But um, other than that, like, again, I don't have too, too much to say here. Um, oh, I don't know if we, I can't remember when this news came out. Um, but I know we didn't mention it, at least on last show. Uh, Derek Stepan's out, out for the rest of the season, eh? Yeah, I saw that. That's rough for Ottawa because they're not even going to recoup anything that they, that they uh, traded for him. Um, that was uh, that was definitely some some sad news for the team, but it, it's probably better for him because now there's no pressure on him to stick around, right? He can just he can go back home and recover and be with his family and his freshly out of the oven infant. Um, so it's it's probably better for him in that sense. Uh, it still sucks that he's got a significant injury he's got to try to recover from, but oh, excuse me. Um, at least he's not. Um, you know, fighting through an injury and just um, having a negative impact on his the possible future of his career, either, right? So it, right. it just it just sucks that there's no chance of the Senators recouping anything that they gave up for him. They they basically got like what like twelve bad games out of him, and then he got injured, and he's toast for a second round pick. Yeah, that wasn't our best case of asset management, right there. I mean, a lot of people <laughs> Boy, make you, yeah. you could. You could say the same thing for just about this from, from like, from the draft onward. From the draft onwards, yeah. Just this has been a season full of terrible asset management. Yeah, well, trading like, a, trading a second for Derek Stepan. Um, I I feel like there was a third involved for some of those other garbage um, vets that they brought in. Good Branson was a fourth. Josh Brown was a fifth, and then we extended him for another two years after this year. <laughs> you, I didn't know that you extended him. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Um. Who else was there? Austin Watson. I forget what we got or what we gave up for Watson. I think that was another fourth or fifth round pick. Okay. Um. And as for the other guys, I don't even remember who else. They um, I, I must be thinking like there, there was a third involved in the Matt Murray trade or something. Then we uh, got rid of our second worst second round pick for the 2020 draft as well as uh, like that trade was not a bad trade. That contract is not a great contract. Um, yeah, and it, it's not looking super great right now either. Uh, well, every other game, it looks fantastic. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was, but on the plus side, we do have some help in that regard. Joey Decord, although only getting a couple starts so far, um, has a nine thirteen save percentage, and every time he's in the net, he is making those saves where you look at and you just go, "Oh my god, I hope he makes this save," and then he does. Like he made um, a really good save on Leon Drysaddle the other night, where Drysaddle was in on a partial breakaway, and on any other goalie would have just like deked him out. And I thought he had gotten around Decord as well, but Decord got the pad out and was able to um, to kind of um, like I don't know what it's called when they go on their stomach and kind of do like a reverse snow angel. Um, but he did one of those saves and was able to stop Drysaddle and keep the rebound out as well. So I'm not going to freak out over Decord like a lot. Of, I've seen a lot of people do on Sen's Twitter. 
saying like, oh, he's our starter now and uh, he's Ottawa's best goalie. He's this, he's that. Let him play at least five games before you go saying that stuff. That's all I'm going to say. He's looked great. He absolutely has. His game against Montreal, he looked great. His game against Edmonton, from the um, highlights I saw, he looked great again. Um, I don't know who's starting tonight between Decord or Murray. I've been trying to uh, update the um, uh, the the game feed as I go, just to see if I can see if oh, yeah. anything's been confirmed yet. But yeah, it looks like Matt Murray is projected as the starter, but it's not confirmed yet. Yeah, well, DJ Smith doesn't uh, confirm his goalies before the game anymore. It's fucking garbage. Well, he's like, well, other teams don't do it, so why should I? It's like it doesn't friggin' matter who you who you tell the media is starting. Yeah, it's it, they're team, gonna know when they look at the game sheet. Yeah, teams teams are gonna be forced to do this soon because of all of the money that's involved in sports betting. And like, I didn't used to care about it, but now I'm like, I need to know who is gonna be in the fucking net before I put my money down on stuff. Um, Hockey needs to stop being so damn conservative. Yeah, they're like, oh, it's yeah, it's a competitive advantage if the other team knows who my goalie. It's like, you know what? There's not a huge fucking difference between Matt Murray and Joey Decord at the NHL level, right? We're not we're not talking about like uh, the difference between Tom Brady and whoever the backup quarterback is for whatever team he plays for. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we know other sports. Yeah, and I, I'm aware of whatever sport Tom Brady plays. <laughs> Play soccer, right? Football. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But just to quickly harp back to Joey Decord, like um, I'd kind of like to see him get a second straight start. I think that would send a bit of a message to Matt Murray as well of like, hey, this guy can steal your job. You need to shape it up. You need to shape up. Also, I, I, I think they should just go to a, a 50-50 split. Just Matt Murray can't string two good games together anyways, so you're not hurting the team really. Um, you just throw Joey Decord in every other night, and then that way you're not you're not – um, sewering the team on a garbage Matt Murray game, right? There you go. Um, Just you, you gotta it, get it, timing right. If it works, you can probably string a bunch of wins together. If it doesn't work, you're in the same boat as if you started Matt Murray two games in a row. Like it, it doesn't really matter. This That's is the right. season to try shit and get crazy. I know, and they aren't trying anything, and it's infuriating. <laughs> uh, apparently, hey, hey um, Keeks, you know where he learned that from? Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. He's not even a coach in any kind of hockey league right now, Mike Babcock. That's not true. He's he's coaching um, the oh, Saskatchewan, University, Saskatchewan University whatever team. Yeah. Yeah, whatever our equivalent of the NCAA is, he's there. No, it's cool. not even the equivalent of that. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. No, um, uh, from everything I've been hearing from media and just um, – people around the send organization on Twitter and podcasts and um, on any kind of articles I read, apparently around the trade deadline in about a month, there's going to be just a massive surge of youth into the lineup. Uh, some of the guys from North Dakota are going to be put into the NHL lineup, primarily Pinto and Bernard Docker are expected to be in the NHL lineup. I, but um, the one the one, um, I guess, uh, thing that, that could put pause on yes. that plan is that uh, Bernard Docker doesn't have an NHL contract right now, right? No, or, I, I, Pinto. 
I guess that yeah, that's true. None of those college guys do because they couldn't they couldn't receive money from an NHL team and also play in the NCAA. Nope. Uh, but you know what could change that? Signing their pro contract. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think that those guys are going to have as significant of an impact as a lot of people might think that they do right off the hop. Oh, um, I'm not saying they're going to have an impact. I'm just saying that there's going to be massive change at the end of okay. the year. Well, it, um, it's going to be tough because who's going to be taking any of the, like in order to bring those guys up, you're going to need to move NHL players out. And who is taking any of those guys? Who is acquiring Eric Goodbranson for a playoff run? Uh, nobody, but you know, our taxi squad's looking mighty nice. Yeah. I, I don't know if, uh, Eugene Melnick's going to be super excited about, uh, dishing out some signing bonuses to young players, benching all of the expensive veterans and also playing the young guys and paying them for it. Sure. Uh, but at, at this it, point, it, at, at a time where nobody is in the building and nobody's in the parking lot paying for his $40 a game parking. Sure, but at that point in the season, most of the salaries will have been taken care of. So how much are you really paying them to sit on the bench for 15 games? It's it's still more money out the door, right? I, I it, guess. Like, I do and, see and your you're, point. You're, you're, you're talking about the most penny-pinching owner in the league, too. In sports. Yeah, and probably in sports, yeah. So I think that's going to be a pretty significant um, hurdle to... Uh, for the senators to clear in order to get these college guys up because they're going to need to move out some players in order to bring those guys up Um, and and they also have to convince those players that they've got an nhl spot next season i know for some some rumors have been going out that mike riley will be on the block to be shipped out again Um, who who's taking mike riley who's looking at him and saying that's the guy that's going to push us over the top and get us into the playoffs or deep in the playoffs. I don't think Ottawa has anybody that any reasonable team is going to look at and say, that's, that's a guy that that's who we need for the playoffs. Not every contender is looking for a needle mover though. They're looking for depth and Riley at the very least is that. Sure. But it's still that thing of like, you need to convince another NHL GM that they have to give up an asset in order to acquire depth. And if you're trading that player down to the States, then, well, there, there may not be that much of a quarantine or anything in a lot of places down there. Um, uh, the two days, it's, two it's days like, after- yeah, 48 hours or something is the NHL rule. I think. Well, two days after Paquette was traded from Ottawa to Carolina, he was suiting up for a game. Yeah. So they, their rules are definitely a lot less strict than ours. So it's it's less of an issue than if Ottawa was acquiring players. Um, but I, I do still... Like I Jack Eichel. I yeah, I don't see anybody on, um, on the uh, Senators roster who is going to be available for trade that other teams are going to be lining up to get. Um, sure, you could probably move out Mike Riley and if... Um, Josh Brown wasn't signed for apparently two more seasons after this one. Maybe you could have moved him, but well, he hasn't played in 20 games. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit, man. (laughs) He signed for two more years at over a million bucks. Oh my God. Why? Well, someone had to take up the cap space that Branson will be leaving at the end of the year. That's that, that is dumbfounding. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It sure is. Sure. I'm well aware. 
he he was uh, brought in as a DJ Smith guy because DJ coached him in junior, signed him for two year two more years, and now he is a permanent healthy scratch. Yeah, that's uh, that's a that's Awful. a good look for your coach of the future there. He's our coach for the near future. <laughs> There's um, also a lot of people saying that our um, our AHL coach. I always forget because our Troy head... man, Trent man. It's it's definitely T man. Well, the thing is, is that our head scout is also a T man. Oh, really? That's funny. <laughs> yes. So I that that's why it's confusing. I think it's um, Trent man is scouting and Troy man is our coach. Okay. And um, there's a lot of people saying that Troy Mann might be in contention for our head coaching job when DJ's time is kind of done because he's very similar to DJ, especially when it comes to accountability, except like preaching it, except Troy Mann is a lot better at executing it. In the AHL, he benched some of his um, uh, more experienced AHLers because they weren't producing and put Ridley Gregg as our first line center, who's 18 years old. And Greg then almost, and Greg played very well and earned that, so he gave it to him. So it'll be interesting to see um, the sense coaching future there. But we kind of got off on a bit of a tangent. Um, I don't have too much. I don't have any more to say about the sense for this most recent week. I mean, we lost seven three to Calgary. That blows. We beat them then four three in the shootout, which was great. Uh, Tim Stutzel yeah. should take every shootout ever from now on for the Sens. Well, you you lost to Calgary, and then they fired their coach. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was uh, – we've gotten three coaches fired. Three? Oh, Claude yeah. Julian, yeah, yeah, yeah. the goalie coach from Montreal as well, and now um, – Well, no, it was um, Julian and Kirk Muller. Yeah, uh, it was and, – um, and their goalie coach as well they fired. Yeah, but mid game versus Ottawa. Oh, okay. That that was that was still against Ottawa. Okay, because that yeah. that was like a week or something after the coaching change. Um, yeah. So you've gotten four coaches fired then. Yes. Uh, Three Montreal coaches and Calgary's uh, head coach. Yes. Yeah. So now we're just we're running through the league. Edmonton's next. Who's their head coach? Dave Tippett. Ah, uh, gone. <laughs> gone. <laughs> gone. Count on it. They won 3-2 last night. Doesn't matter. We're going to beat them 7-1 tonight. Tip it. Gone. Coming for Keefe next. I think Keefe is pretty safe. Not if he loses 6-5 to Ottawa again. Again, yeah. Yeah, um, again. I can say that. <laughs> all right. Um, so we'll, we'll get into our, our, our I say main topic. I don't even know how long we've been recording for. <laughs> I don't either. Yeah. Um, so... It's funny because you suggested this topic and I had thought that you had seen these tweets, um, but apparently no. you didn't. So, no, because uh, unlike you, I work. Hey, I, I was at work all day too. I just didn't have anything to do. I was sitting in my car the whole time. Yeah. Um, well, I sit in my car all day anyways, but most of the time I'm driving and not. I was going to say, most of the time you're moving. Yeah. Um, so uh, last night, Mark Mathot tweeted out, what did he tweet out? I've got to pull this up here. The Ottawa Senators in a few years will be a better team than the Toronto Maple Leafs. No question. It won't even be close. Two to three years. Two to three years? Yeah. Here, I'll, I'll, Ottawa will have a much better team than Toronto in two to three years. Won't even be close. Uh, 
you know what, when he's right, you know, he played the game, therefore his opinion is actually fact. That's how hockey works. So do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Okay, so let's um, let's talk about this discussion that we want to have. Cause yeah, my- oh, okay, because yes, you're, you're right, you're right. Um, you, you didn't see that tweet. And your nope. suggestion for what we were going to talk about was, will the Sens win a Stanley Cup before the Leafs? Yes. And you have very dumbly taken the wrong side of this, the bad, unsmart opinion on Keegan. And it says in my notes that uh, this position is going to be argued by a possible axe murderer, um, because who can say for certain that Keegan isn't an axe murderer? Uh, whereas I, Jordan who is smart, handsome, and a super genius is going to be arguing for the correct opinion. So uh, go ahead with your dumb opinion. That is incorrect, Keegan. All right. So. Sorry, axe murderer, Keegan. Continue. Right. So we are debating not who's going to be the better team in the next two to three years, but who's going to win a cup first. So you can kind of. Uh, make the same arguments for these, but just oh, so, see, people- so, so you're trying to fudge up and bullshit and you're moving the goalposts here from where Mark I'm not moving the goalpost. I am before then before the we get to that, are. What, what do you think of Mark Mathot's tweet in that timeline of two to three years? Uh, he's absolutely correct. <laughs> you fucking garbage. <laughs> no, I have on, and this isn't me just trying to take the other side and, um, be on the other side of an argument i have thought this uh since we since brady kachuk's rookie year i thought that the senators will be a better team in their prime than this than the toronto maple leafs i have i i don't know how i can describe it other than just brady kachuk gives the senators team an identity that no uh, no Leafs player does for Toronto. That is my first that is the first thing I want to say. The entire Ottawa Senators team plays like Brady Kachuk. You know who said that? Matthew Kachuk. And if you have one team playing this fast grinding style that also has more skill than you would expect, that is a team that has a recipe for success in the near and far future. I don't believe that Toronto has any player in their entire organization that has that just gravity and that change that Brady Kachuk has. Okay. So you're wrong on a few levels here. Oh, am I? (laughs) Yes. Um, First, that's that's a lot of um, that's a lot of weight to put on a player that is not signed with your organization long term. I'm not concerned about that. Fair. It's still true though. <laughs> he is not signed long term, and this is an organization that has shown hesitancy to structure contracts in ways that current players seek um their contracts to be structured and you're, that, you're dancing around we don't do signing bonuses yes and that could be an issue 
Yeah, it Espe- might be. especially for a guy like Brady Kachuk, where it kind of seems like his family isn't super stoked about the Senators as an organization. They're not stoked about Melnick. They're the rest of the Sens are. Pardon me, sorry. Um... And and th- this this is where we're. This is kind of something that I'm going to be hammering down on a lot. There is one guy that's going to be standing in the Senator's way of future success. And he just happens to be the one that pays everybody. So long as he pays them. Sure. You're asking him to do something that he has not done in 15 years though. He's doing it this year. Thomas Shabbat, $8 million. One guy. He, he hasn't had any other options recently. He also is paying Colin White. He didn't have any other options recently. What happened Young to Mark guy. Stone? Young guys. Mark Stone. Mark Stone, I was sad to see go. We should have kept him 100%. Okay. okay. So, so, so here's the thing. The last time Ottawa had a young and exciting team, they had Mark Stone. They had J.G. Pajot, Eric Carlson. Um, Kyle Turris was younger. He wasn't Mike young, Hoffman. young. Mike Hoffman. Um, there was a time when uh, Jakob Silverberg was on the team, and he was Zabana a young ex- Zabanajad. Yes. What happened with a lot of those players? Silverberg was traded for Bobby Ryan. Um, so that that's not really. They tried something and it things. didn't work out. Yeah, but what happened with the other guys? Um, Mark Stone got traded because he wanted a lot of money. Uh, well, okay. he wanted a signing. We'll, 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 we'll go back a little bit further here. Um, Zabanajad was the first guy out. Traded yeah. because he was going to be signing a bigger contract than another comparable center already had. So they traded him for a, uh, for cap reasons, essentially. Right. Um, Carlson wanted a payday, gone. Stone, payday, gone. Pajot, uh, like they, those guys were after their, their rebuild window had kind of shut down on them and they had to tear down and do it again. But it's, it's still the same thing. They had a young, um, talented team that was exciting coming up and it didn't work out because the owner didn't want to pay people. And it stretched Ottawa's... Um, Contention, or it limited Ottawa's ceiling for contention. They were able to be competitive in terms of making the playoffs, but they weren't able to be competitive in the sense of actually going for a Stanley Cup. Sure. I think that's going to happen for as long as this guy owns the team. This team cannot attract big-name free agents. It never has been able to. Um, who like you think back? Who is the biggest free agent to ever sign in Ottawa? Dominic Hasek. Dominic Hasek. Who is the next biggest free agent to ever sign in Ottawa? Probably Evgeny Dadnov. Probably, like all of Ottawa's big name players that they have acquired that they didn't draft, they got through trades, and that's because players don't want to come here, even when the team was successful. Ottawa was not signing big name free agents. They weren't signing like um, guys that moved the needle. Ottawa's always been able to sign depth players, but they can't get a big fish or even a medium sized fish in free agency. And that's a problem. 
Is it? It it is because if players don't want to come here, then that's going to mean other players don't want to stay here either. Yeah, but my argument there is free agency should never be the place you go for big names. And that that's fair, right? Like you you don't necessarily want to be hunting uh, the big names in free agency, but I don't when, want John Tavares a, for eleven million dollars for the next six years. No, but John Tavares for the first three or four years out of that is going to help. Didn't get out team. of the first round. It's going to help your or team. Didn't a lot make the better playoffs. It's going to make your team a lot better than if you don't have him, though. Okay, so your team is a lot better if you, and you make the playoffs. You, you're also you're also not thinking that you in order to acquire veteran players, you're going to have to trade for them, which means that all of those nice, shiny prospects that you have that you love so much, a bunch of them are going to have to leave. And that's the thing too. A bunch of the guys that you're super excited about as being NHL players are not going to play for your team. They're going to play for somebody else. That or, I'm aware of. or they're not going to be as good as like a lot of people projected them to be. Sure. Or they're not going to be good at all, and they're not going to play NHL games. Sure, or there are significant NHL games. There right? are a cu- couple guys in our in our pool that I believe are going to fall under the the bust category. Like, for example, Schlappick was a bust. He went back to Europe. He's probably never coming back to the NHL, at least not anytime soon. Logan Brown's heading towards that, though. He's still he just turned twenty three, so we'll see what happens with him. He still has a bit of time to turn it around. Uh, Lassie Thompson, I have next to zero faith in Eric Branstrom's not going to be the 60 point defenseman that everyone thought he was going to be. I think he will be closer to about the 45 to 50 point. Um, Jacob Bernard Docker will be probably a fifth defenseman, fifth or fourth guy. Um, but when it comes to like your example of attracting people in free agency, the sense from their inception, I've always been in the mindset of our big fish should come from within think about all the biggest names and biggest sense contributors in their their franchise's history so daniel offertson drafted by ottawa jason spezza drafted by ottawa marion hosa drafted by ottawa wade redden he i believe was acquired from the islanders yeah Ottawa, we got, I, I think Ottawa traded Brian Burrard to the Islanders for Wade for Redden. Wade Redden. Yes. Yeah. Um, Ottawa's mentality has always been: our needle movers are our draft picks, are the guys that we draft and the guys that we bring up. As you argue, they they should be right. Well, that, that's that's the strategy for any team, right? You can look at any team and say that the their most important or significant players are the drafted ones, right? Sure. Uh, the, look the, at, the Red look Wings, Iverson, um, Sergei Fedorov, Nicholas Lidstrom, right? Fedorov or, was signed. Well, sure. Um, the Leafs now it's it's their core. You know, Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Morgan Riley. Riley, right? Like th- those are the the guys. It's just you have to. The thing is, is that Ottawa's not going to be able to get top talent at every position that they need in order to become that next tier team. They're going to need to use other methods in order to get there. And if they're going to trade in order to get those things, they're going to need to give up other areas of their team, whether that's 
um, strength at certain parts of the roster or it's your young prospects. Um, and then that just means that you've got fewer of those younger prospects that you're so excited about to come up in the team, or you're going to have to trade your wingers in order to get a center or some, your some defensemen in order to get a center, or you're going to need to trade some, you know, you know, one of your top end guys in order to get a better goalie later on, something like that, because you can't acquire those guys in free agency because people don't come here. Yeah. But I, again, I don't really see not being able to attract free agents as, as big of a detriment as you're trying to make it out to be. Cause the way that Ottawa drafts, it leaves still a lot to be desired to um, how a lot of people approach draft now, which is just take the best player available, which is the method that um, a lot of people are um, trying to convince their, their favorite teams to go with. But Ottawa has done this uh, draft method for, I don't remember if it was Dorian or if this is a man um, method where it's, Rather than just, okay, we're going to take the, the best player available every time, they are selecting players, multiple players uh, uh, in different rounds that could fulfill a possible role. For example, um, trading up in the draft to get Tyler Clevin. On draft night, I had no idea who Clevin was, um, everything er- – everyone had said about him was that this was a big bruising defenseman who can't move the puck. So everyone said, Oh, this was a waste, whatever. And now he's showing his offensive side in uh, North Dakota, where he's a top four defenseman there has scored some actually really nice goals as well as has been a sturdy defensive defenseman. And he's also like six, four, 220 pounds as an 18 year old or 19 year old now, I guess. Um, the idea that uh, like their main point getters from going forward are going to be like your Batherson, your Stutzel, and your Kachuk. Those are your top guys. Therefore, we don't need the big fish or anything in free agency. We'll need free agency for depth, for sure. But our top six is going to be Ottawa draft picks. So rather than saying, oh, free agency is uh, going to be a detriment because you can't attract anyone, we can say, well, no, because we're not looking to attract anyone to overpay them in free agency. We're looking for cheap depth, which Ottawa has effectively done. Look at guys like Tyler Ennis last year. Um, he was a good, cheap option that we signed. Um, and who's to say Ottawa can't do a little, little move like that again? The kids that are coming up are exciting. And even to go against your argument, even if they do want to attract someone, the kids will attract them. Who doesn't want to play with a Kachuk? Who doesn't want to play with Tim Stutzel right now? Sure, but other teams also have young, exciting players too. Sure. Um, now, now here, I'll, I'll kind of augment my argument there a little bit. Um, I, and I think I kind of mentioned it earlier too. If it is hard to attract people, then it is going to be hard to keep people too. If players get to free agency and they see more money elsewhere or greener pastures elsewhere, they will go there because there's not necessarily the same history of guys sticking around here once they hit that point. Also, 
again, the way that salaries are becoming um, structured league-wide is going to be a hindrance to Ottawa keeping the players they have now, even through restricted free agency. The trend now is to pay players more earlier, and that is going to um, make somebody like Eugene Melnick hesitant, and I think you're going to see more of these guys get moved earlier. Maybe not necessarily Shabbat and Ch- uh, Kachuk, because they're the top-end guys. Or but Stutzel. The, 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 or Stutzel, sure. Um, but some of those middle-tier guys that aren't necessarily the superstar tier, but kind of the middle six forwards or the second and third pairing players, those are going to be the guys that you're going to see leave. And I don't think Ottawa's um, development system is going to be ready or um, consistently able to replace those players with um, fresh prospects year after year because frankly they just don't have they don't have the off ice staff in order to keep their um, cupboards um, full all the time and again because they're going to have to acquire players through trades primarily they're going to be trading a lot of assets away in order to do that Um, so that's kind of the all of the um, micro issues that go to the macro problem of players don't come to ottawa but players drafted by Ottawa, uh, I was going to say players drafted by Ottawa stay, but I guess we just kind of said that. <laughs> they sure don't, <laughs> right? Like as soon as they're trying to get that big payday, they're gone. Except again, I keep coming back to Thomas Shabbat. They tried to, they made a statement with Thomas Shabbat and Colin White. Another, Shabbat, another statement would have been signing Brady Kachuk before the season started. I think that is a Kachuk thing. He right. It's, it's, yeah, and it's probably because he wants to kick ass this season and Which get more he has money. Been. Yeah, so that's going to be a problem for the Senators. And another thing that's going to be a problem too is if they keep signing their seventh and eighth defensemen to long-term deals for some reason, because the coach seems to like them. Like there's, or acquiring a goalie that has had two down bad years in a row and signing him to a three-year deal for over six million dollars. Four year. Four year for six million plus yeah Yeah, that's going to be an issue too and if the general manager um, goes out and acquires veteran players that are overpaid and bad that's going to be a problem too i just like i I, I know where you're coming from and you are not wrong yeah there are so i said earlier there are there was one person that's going to be the major hurdle for the senators to overcome uh, in order to win a Stanley Cup. And I think a lot of the momentum on, or a, a lot of um, what's been happening this season with the young players getting to be really good has uh, erased or altered a lot of Sens fans' memory of the recent past. Like the Melnick out campaign wasn't all that long ago. Two years ago. He's still in charge, right? He's still the guy that is paying everybody. And yeah, but as, he's paying them now. But he's not. He's paying guys that are going to that are here until the end of the season, if that. And sure, he's, but paid, he's paid Kachuk, or no, he, sorry, he's paid Shabbat, White, and Matt Murray. That's it. And Those Dadnov. Are, yeah, but I don't. Dadnov is not part of the team's long term plan. No, he's got two more years after this one. Yes, like, and I think that's just because next year, next season, they're going to be looking to move him. I don't think he's he's not going to finish this contract with the Senators. I, no, I don't absolutely not. Yeah. So that's a, a temporary stopgap to help 
uh, lighten the offensive load on the young players and hopefully give them some, you know, some veteran, um, I don't know if leadership is the right word or just some veteran guidance to help them find it's their insulation. way. Right? Yeah. It's, it's insulation for half of the length of the contract, but the other guy that's going to be standing in Senator's way of becoming a successful team is Pierre Dorian. What makes you say that? Well, because if Ottawa is not able to attract players in free agency and they want to get significantly better over the next two to three years, like Mathot seems to think, they're going to need to trade players in order to do that. And what did we talk about a few weeks ago? Pierre Dorian has a terrible shit trading record. He has an up and down trade record, more down he, than up. He, When he is selling and just getting um, draft picks, he does pretty good. When he is trying to improve his team, he showed this offseason, he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Right? We were just, we were just talking about uh, the Senators traded a second round pick for Derek Stepan this offseason. And that looked bad before he got injured and even before he played a game with the team. I think that we need to give Dorian one year. In We've a... been saying that for like four years, though. No, no, no. Let me finish. <laughs> we need to give him a year. Now that he's an experienced GM, we need to see him in a year where Ottawa is trying to compete. Now that he is a... What, what was 2017? GM. Now that he is an experienced GM. That was his first year as a GM. So he's going to make mistakes. Do I think he made some really bad ones? Absolutely. Yeah, Do I like think that. that he is the ability from those Here, Keegan, you're going all robot voice. And hopefully not make them again. Yes. There we go. Now you're not frozen. Yeah, sorry. You, you all of that was uh, was robot voice. We're I'm gonna have to friggin' scan through this in our in editing and take all this out. So uh, here we go. Three, two, one. Say everything again, Keegan. <laughs> So sorry about that, guys. A bit of a technical glitch there. Um, okay, so um, just to go get back on track here with Pierre Dorian. Now that he has had the experience he has, I do want to see one year of him trying to make moves to improve this team for a a playoff run, not just improve this team to help the kids grow with these veteran moves he's been doing. Um, I want to see him try and acquire assets that will help the senators for a playoff push maybe as soon as next year. I am well aware that his recent track record has not been great. His overall I, track record as a general manager in terms of trades. <laughs> it's he made a lot of bad trades when he started, for sure. And also recently and well, all time in between. Like the Duchesne, <laughs> the Duchesne trade was unlucky. And it was it, it, he he misunderstood where his team was. Sure, and that was his, only his second year as a GM. I would hope 
that he has learned from that. And I want to give him a chance to prove that he has learned from that before I say that he's going to be a detriment to this team. I think that giving him a chance to show his growth will be the deciding factor on if he is the general manager to get the senators to a cup. Do I think right now he is honestly not a clue. It wouldn't surprise me either way if he was or wasn't. I need to see him in a year where Ottawa is not trying to rebuild now that he has experience. Now that he has made those mistakes, I want to see if he's able to learn from them and improve his team now. Okay. So here's a question. Um, as a GM, who, who do you have more confidence in Kyle Dubas or Pierre Dorian? Uh, Kyle Dubas, because he has better backing than Pierre Dorian. And I, I think that's pretty fair. I think... The, Dubas has Shanahan. Yeah, I don't know how much of the hockey stuff Shanahan is involved in. I True. think he... They, they also so have like, a quiet owner. Yes. Yeah, uh, Shanahan is likely more just uh, like the overall vision as opposed to... I, I, I think he's involved in a lot of the conversations, but I, I don't think he's necessarily as vocal as like Melnick would be in things. Sure. Uh, put Dubas in Ottawa and Dorian in Toronto. And then I'd be able to tell you that Dubas is a much better GM. Yeah. And, but also you kind of have to take those two things into consideration too, right? Dubas sure. has a team of likely dozens of people behind him, um, helping him gather and analyze information in order to make every decision that they do. Dorian doesn't. Dorian's got like one assistant general manager and who knows how many scouts spread out around the world, right? So that's another part of the Melnick standing in the senator's way. Um, it's not just whether or not he's willing to pay the on-ice players. It's whether or not he's going to fund all of the people in the boardrooms and around the world that are trying to make the senators a better team. Is he going to put more people in those positions in order to gather and analyze more information to make every decision? History tells us no. So there's no expectation for us to change our expectation for the future, right? Um, <laughs> I, I have... I, I, sorry to be the lead anchor that brings uh, Sicko Nation back down to earth here, Keegs, but uh, uh, that's the, not senators, the Senators will not be better than the Leafs in two to three years. And they will not win a Stanley Cup before the Leafs either. No, I think they will. <laughs> Here, no, and, no. Subject. Wait, wait, wait. No, I, and that's kind of what I was doing. Like, well, I, we've done a lot of um, a lot of uh, attacking and defending the Senators, and we can go right. Like, here, turn the tables, take your shots at the Leafs. Go for it. Um. The Leafs have no internal leadership other than Morgan Riley. Their biggest mistakes have been, not mistakes, the biggest gripes I have with them is, I've said this before, is turning to outsiders to come in and be their leaders. Wayne Simmons, Joe Thornton, Jason Spezza, John Tavares. That is Toronto's leadership group right now. It's not Marner. It's not Matthews. Those are their best players. That's not their leadership. That's not the stir that. Uh, the the spoon that stirs their drink and that bothers me and that is not sustainable and what i would say to that is i don't think your your most talented players have to be your leaders in the dressing room or whatever 
Matthews sets the tone on the ice with his play. He is the player on the Leafs that can single-handedly dominate a game. He can decide if the Leafs are going to come back in a game or not. And you can see it uh, in his body language. And I think that drags a lot of the rest of the team along with him too. It can be a hindrance sometimes because a lot of like a lot of games when the Leafs are down, like two goals in the third, you can kind of tell that everybody on the team is like, all right, well, you know what? Let's see what Austin does here. There can be a lot of sure, but you know what? They're also very young. We've been like, well, you, you think you think no. And you know what? I totally get it. I get it's, it's a, it can be kind of a bad argument to make year after year after year. Um, like how old is Matthews now? He, he's, he's turning 24 in September. Okay. Turning 24. So I know that that is the same age as you. Yep. <laughs> and you, he is you, a month younger than me or a month older not, than me. You may not be stoked to hear it geeks, but uh, you know what? 24 year olds don't have all their stuff together quite yet. <laughs> I'm aware. Yeah. Even at the NHL level, they do not have the maturity quite yet to be the leaders that we like to uh, put, like prop them up to be. Um, they can. It, it, they can, sure. Exceptional 24-year-olds can be uh, mature beyond their years and be a leader in those circumstances, sure. Um, just because the Leafs 24-year-olds aren't that, I don't think that we can just write them off as being um, busts or like not having the stuff in order to win. Because you know what? People said that about Alex Ovechkin for 15 years, and then all of a sudden he was a winner, and now he's a great leader. Um, that, that, that is, that, that is a, a narrative that we tell ourselves in order to explain away the fact that, you know what? Sometimes the, the best team doesn't win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, because they got like, what, four President's Trophies or whatever it was? Yeah, and that's, that's the same in every single season. There's a pretty good chance that every year the best team didn't win the Cup. It's happened Absolutely. eight times in NHL history. It's happened eight times that the President's winner has won the Cup. Yeah, and sometimes, like, you, you know what? You could go an entire career and just have shit luck the whole time, right? Sure. You can look at Joe Thornton and say that. <laughs> yeah. Joe Thornton, one of the best players of his era, has been to one Stanley Cup final. Is that his fault? No. No. <laughs> um, there's a lot of things that go into making a team. Uh, I think the Leafs are set up much better than the Senators, especially seeing as the, the Leafs are further along their timeline than the Senators are. Um, will the Leafs be a worse team before the Senators you know, um, fall back down from their peak, probably because the Leafs are closer to their decline than the Senators are. But in terms of the near future, the Leafs will be a better team in the next two to three years. And they will be like, I'm not going to sit here and say that the Leafs are going to win a cup in the next few years, because like that would be um, for starters, jinxing it. Um, <laughs> Um, the Leafs but, are going to win a cup in the next two to three years. No, it, it only it only counts when uh, Chris Johnson says it. Yeah, he's got to use that juggernaut word. He's yeah, got to say he, juggernaut. He did, and then we lost three straight games. Yeah, so just keep <sighs> you got to keep going. So, um, so yeah, b- basically what I'm saying here, um, uh, the Leafs will be 
a more legitimate Stanley Cup contender than the Senators will be for the next several years. One thing and, I want to say, and the, the Leafs will the Leafs will be better than the the Senators for the next several years too. In two to three years, the Leafs will be better than Ottawa. Uh, who's your goalie in two to three years? I it's I don't care. <laughs> it will be somebody. Yeah. I yeah. do not think that the Leafs are going to have the same issue that they had um, before Anderson of trying to figure out who the hell their goalie was going to be. Um, I don't see an internal solution right now, but I'm also sure. pretty confident that the Leafs are going to be able to find somebody too, because we have been able to find a lot of somebodies to fill in um, uh, those gaps in the roster. And frankly, the ones that have been on short term like, like short-term stop gaps have worked out pretty well for us so far. So I'm, I'm pretty confident in the Leafs being able to find a short-term stop gap in terms of goalie and whatever other holes crop up. I have a lot of confidence in Kyle Dubas as a GM. He has made one good goalie move so far in his career, and that was acquiring Jack Campbell. The rest have been bad. Um, the rest and claiming McElhenney off waivers. Oh, wait, no, that was Lamorello. No, no, I, I wasn't going to say that. Like the only other move he's made has been acquiring Michael Hutchinson twice. And yes. I, I wouldn't argue that either of those were bad decisions. The first time he did it, both of our goalies were injured. <laughs> and Hutch was Hutch played under Babcock mostly. Yes, he was. And Babcock always stuck him on the second half of a, a back-to-back. Um, yeah, he never gave him a chance. Uh, okay. And then last year, Hutchinson's <laughs> confidence was totally shot, so we traded him to Colorado, and he won like two out of four games in the conference finals. And now he's like a 930 save percentage. Yeah, but see, that's, here's... that's all we needed to do was get him some confidence and fire Mike Babcock into the sun. That's it. No, but just to go back to your point where you said um, with young kids and they're, you know, having their shit together, basically. In my opinion, and it's the opinion of not only Sens fans, but a lot of people uh, around hockey, that the Kachuk brothers are those, those players and those people advance beyond their years. Brady Kachuk is 22 years old. And I think by the time he is Austin Matthews age will will be at the same like maturity level that Matthews will be in his thirties. I, as a person from everything I've heard, I'm not a huge fan of Austin Matthews. Yeah. Like in, in in all likelihood, he's probably an arrogant dude. He's probably a bit of a dink off the ice. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He kind of seems like he's a dink. You know, he's not. The entire Sens organization right now. Again, you've got this new toy shine on everybody on the organization. You're going to start hating. What? There is no pressure on you right now. The, the people who are the villains with the Senators are the coaches because they're not playing the guys you want to see and the GM because he acquired guys that you don't understand like that are taking spots away from the guys you want to see. Um, once there are expectations on this team, you're going to find villains on your own organization. You're going to find players that you don't want. You don't want anywhere near the ice, and those are going to be guys that you used to really like. Um, oh, I was going to say we have villains right now, anyway. But. Yeah, they're they're guys that the GM acquired, and 
you don't like them because you're like, they're taking away the spots from the shiny toys I want to see. I want to nope. see the shiny toys. We want them gone because they're statistically and eye test bad. Yeah. Um, and people were saying that about all of our new toys last year. Thomas Shabbat people were on because he had a down season. We were on Colin White because he had a down season. And they bounced back and now we like them. Like, but again, I, once, I, once I, I am are... well aware, I'm well aware that because we have no expectations, we are riding, riding high on this very low season. Yeah. We are taking anything and everything we can get our hands on and running with it. I All the power to you for that. But just remember, like, when there are expectations, things are not going to be this shiny. And you've got a long road ahead of you. Um, you know, five years ago, Leafs fans thought that we'd have a cup by now. It hasn't happened that way. It's not going to happen that way for the Senators either. Uh, it's hard for teams with no sure. off-ice It's hard for teams with no off-ice resources to be competitive that way. That's why we haven't seen the Columbus Blue Jackets in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, that's sure. why we haven't seen the Arizona Coyotes do anything. And as much as like being in Canada makes us want to think that the Senators aren't like those organizations, they they're are. closer to being the Blue Jackets and Coyotes and Panthers. Uh, maybe not even the Panthers because they're looking more competitive now than they are to being the Leafs. Here's another thing. Toronto had the Toronto media pressure on the kids. And that is something that I think should not be taken too lightly. There is very light pressure in Ottawa. When the pressure is on, the fans can get a little savage. We saw that with guys like Patrick Laleen, right? Where we basically ran him out of town. We saw that with Jason Spezza when he asked to be traded and we just said, okay, well, fuck you. But... The Toronto media storm, I think, kind of hurt the kids in your regard because any slight mistake, you had eight analysts and 20 camera angles of it, and it was on every night. Ottawa highlights, even when we were at our best, when we had Eric Carlson being the best defenseman in the league. He couldn't even he couldn't even win a Norris Trophy that he earned because, yeah, exactly. No, yeah, you're you're right about that. That the the focus that, on the Toronto market is a lot. Uh, it, it can cause a lot of problems, right? Brian Burke even said uh, the amount of Canadian-born players that don't want to play in Canada, specifically Toronto, is huge because they don't want to deal with Toronto. Now we can see that that is changing though, because the Leafs didn't have any problems uh, bringing in a bunch of guys this off season for um, league men. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's the other thing too, right? They didn't come here for a payday. A lot of those guys. And then um, TJ Brody didn't get a huge overpay really. Like it's probably a little bit got market value. Yeah. Like market, market value. Market like value. It, it helps that we were in a pandemic when nobody was really spending money. Right. Um, but um that, that does make it easier for the Leafs to fill in those gaps in their roster if they're being smart about it, right? They don't have to overpay players to come here, whereas teams like Ottawa likely do. Sure, um, but this kind of brings me back to the point where I was saying earlier. The Sens have this identity that whoever they bring in, they know how they have to play. They have to play with pace. They have to play with a strong forecheck, and they have to play with a we-are-never-out-of-a-game attitude. Toronto 
plays like Austin Matthews. Sorry, scratch that. Um, Austin Matthews um, has too much of a negative effect on how Toronto plays because of how uh, poorly he can play. He can play at the top level in this league, but if Austin Matthews is checked out of a game, the Leafs are checked out of a game, and that's bad. See, I I think that identity is one of those buzzwords that a lot of people throw around to mean um, physical, hard-nosed, and gritty. Um, The Leafs do have an identity. They are a puck possession team who is offensively minded and is now, like recently, becoming more defensively responsible. All of those things contribute to an identity. All of the players on the roster have a role to play in that, it just so happens that we have one guy that can put up 50 goals in an 82 game season or 56 game season, apparently. Yeah. Well, less so when he's got a wrist injury, but, sure, um, but it's, anyway. it, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that team identity is one of, is kind of a, a, a phrase that is tossed around when a team doesn't have one of those superstar players. Um, it does again, like, I think you're hyping up like Brady Kachuk is an extremely good, valuable player. I do not think he is a superstar. Um, Tim He's a star St- player. Tim Stutzla. We'll see what, what happens. Yeah, we'll see what happens. He he's kind of he's got that dynamic style that could lend itself to being a superstar in the league. Um, but he's 18 for, or just for, 19 for whatever team he uh, plays his next contract out with. No, I think <laughs> I. For Kachuk, Stutz, all right, we're back again. Uh, where were we? <laughs> uh, I don't even know. How about uh, we're oh. going like super freaking long here? I was going to say um, we should probably look at wrapping this up, and I think our computers yeah. are trying to tell us that. Yeah, closing argument here, geeks. Um, give me again. Uh, sum up your wrong, bad axe murderer opinion about. Uh, the senators go ahead um i think that our use call it a buzzword i i don't necessarily agree with that um i believe that our identity as a team that is never out of a fight and a team that will claw and scratch at a game no matter how far out of the reach it looks um i think of how infectious that is through the team primarily because of brady kachuk and I believe that that attitude that can translate to anybody who comes in to contribute and the fact that we have that identity now and all of our young kids coming up will be expected to have that identity themselves. I believe that will be the main factor in the Ottawa Senators being a successful team. And I think that attitude of never give up is better than we are the best that I believe the Toronto Maple Leafs have. That like that attitude of we are the best, therefore we play the best. I believe that Ottawa's attitude and approach to the game, as well as their the players that they have and the skill level that they I think they will reach, not that they could reach, that they will reach, will translate into Ottawa being a better team than Toronto in the next two to three years, like like Mathot said. I agree with his statement. And I also believe that that will contribute to them winning a cup before the Leafs because I think the attitude that they approach the game with 
is a more successful attitude than the way the Leafs do. Success is reached in many different ways. Sure. Um, there, there is not one route uh, down the road to success. And therefore we cannot assume that there is one attitude that lends itself to being successful. Um, I think that the attitude that you're describing, the identity that you're describing works well for the senators uh, because they are a small market team that, that cannot acquire high-end talent through free agency or trades. Um, and when they have it via the draft, they can't keep it because of the shallow pockets of their owner. Uh, all of these factors contribute to Ottawa not being a team that is going to be able to um, to, in the long term and the short term, be a serious Stanley Cup contender and certainly not a Stanley Cup winner. Um, the players that they have are very, very good and they are nice and shiny again because they're very young and it's exciting to see them in a season where there are no expectations, but once expectations um, are set upon them, I think that shine is going to come off them very quickly. And we're going to start to see what we see in a lot of other markets um, where players are uh, um, underperforming or possibly overpaid in order to stay in the, in their current market. And people are going to start being uh, moved out of, out of the, uh, the team in order to, um, stretch out another, you know, half decade to decade long stretch of um, mediocre existence for the team. <laughs> um, again, sorry to uh, be the lead anchor on your hot air balloon of send sicko happiness there, Keegs. But uh, yeah, I don't see the Senators reaching the peaks that they had in the early 2000s, at least not with the current owner. He's the guy that is standing in, in your way of success. Now, if we wake up tomorrow and find out that Eugene Melnick has sold the team to somebody that has deep, deep pockets, I'm, I'm likely going to have to change my tune at some point. But I don't see that happening anytime uh, in the future. So um, for the time being, I'm, I'm going to stick with my argument that the Senator's will not be better than the Leafs in two to three years. Uh, it's, I, I will agree with Mark Mathot, though, that it will not be close. Um, and I also do not think that the Senators will win a Stanley Cup before the Leafs. Again, I'm not saying the Leafs are going to win one. I'm just going to say that uh, the, the Leafs will be a more serious Cup contender than the Senators for uh, these upcoming five years of unparalleled success for the Senators. Well, you know what, Jordan? You're allowed to be wrong too. <laughs> I, I, oh, I shit. Got... yeah, no. The, <laughs> there, there's a funny TikTok about that, but <laughs> actually, I can't say TikTok. I don't have TikTok. I saw it on Instagram Reels. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do the same. I don't have TikTok. I, I don't have time yeah. for TikTok. No. Um. So yeah, that's basically our, that's our episode this week. Um, we're skipping the double agent game because uh, we, we knew that this would be a long conversation. And also because I didn't uh, do a graphic again. Um, <laughs> I've got to do, I've got to do some head to heads before this, this weekend's uh, game against the senators, uh, which is, you know, circling back here, Keeks. It, 
the uh, Leafs and Sens game on Sunday. Guess what it is for the Leafs? Back to back. Second game of a back to back when the other team has had rest. One day. Yeah, it's still rest. So uh, everybody, um, yeah, everybody, get your bets in now for the Senators to win on Sunday. Are you? Is your Saturday game at home? Yeah, yeah, we're playing the Jets at home. Yeah, so while you're yeah. playing the Jets, we'll be on an eight-hour flight back from Edmonton. Uh, when is your last game against Edmonton? Is it Friday? Friday night. Oh, yeah, Ottawa doesn't play a single Saturday night game this nope. month. Nope. Yeah. Which okay. is an entire conversation that I do not want to get into. That ruins so many of my plans. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, un- until next time, everybody, uh, thanks for listening. Um, please make sure you're following the podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Our handle is at little hockey pod. Um, yeah, go, go to the, the podcast Twitter and then you can find our handles. Um, <laughs> they're also, yeah, you can follow me, Jordan at J small one, seven, seven, one. And you can follow Keegan at L I L underscore little 28. Um, please rate and review the show, uh, share it with your friends. If you like the show, uh, please tell everybody you know. If you don't like the show, please tell everybody that you don't like, um, and then maybe they'll listen to it. Out of spite, and uh, that helps us out, anyways. Um, yeah, and uh, I know last week we teased that we'd have uh, an exciting announcement for you. Um, we are holding off on that because <laughs> it's taking a little bit longer than we anticipated. So, fingers crossed that next week we're going to officially announce that. And if not, look forward uh, to it by the end of April. Yeah. Yeah. We will continue to push our deadline back a week until uh, the sun explodes. Um, So yes, thank you for listening, everybody. Until next time, we'll uh, catch you later. Bye guys. Leafs suck. No, no, you can, I'm cutting. (laughs)